I believe everything that happened before and all the experiences. And even even if you like are pushing back against the idea of niching down or picking something, um, I think like don't force yourself. I guess you just go with it, and and the lessons or the feedback from your audience will tell you if it is working or not. And if it's not working, that's that's fine. We can always pivot. We can always change our offer. We can always niche further. You know, nothing's ever cast in stone. I think that's that's the encouragement I want to share. That that we can always change. We can always evolve as entrepreneurs. And our offers will always change as our as we grow, as we journey. So, yeah. Do you consider yourself resilient? And what does that even mean to you? In this podcast, Resilient Entrepreneurs with Two for One, we chat with business owners about what resilience means to them. And we go deep. What we've learned running our own businesses, you're never alone, even when it feels like it. So tune in anytime to this podcast. We're always here for you, celebrating resilient entrepreneurs just like you. We're Lauren Vicky from Two for One, a marketing company for early stage business owners who want to launch, grow, and be resilient. Welcome to Abigail Chi, and we're so excited to have you on the Resilient Entrepreneurs podcast today. Abigail's a parent coach, and she's joining us from Singapore. And uh, what is a parent coach, you might ask? Well, we're going to find out a whole lot about that in today's episode. But just so that you have a bit of an idea going in, it's a person who helps parents, and in Abigail's case, particularly with children who they find to be disruptive. So we're going to find out all about what that's about and why anyone would possibly choose to work with disruptive children. (laughs) So welcome, Abigail. Hello, hello Vicky, hello Laura. <laughs> thank you for having me on the podcast and I'm really excited to be here today. Oh, thank you. We are so excited for you to join us. I love this global community we are in. I'm in Bermuda, Vicky's in Australia, you're in Singapore and we still yes. found a way to all meet and get together today, which is amazing. Yeah, really appreciate you being here. Um, yeah, so Abigail, tell us a little bit about what you do just so people can have a little bit of an understanding of it. Right. So I am a parent coach um, and I help moms with distracted kids, um, help their kids focus better um, through understanding, connecting, and then coaching their kids. So I think the whole idea is to help these distracted kids kind of self-manage a bit better. Uh, that Then they won't be so disruptive because um, a lot of the problems come when, when our distracted kids don't want to do their work and then they get into a meltdown and all sorts of fun things right that we don't usually want to deal with but but i think um these kids are very unique in a very very unique and and there's a way to help them to self-manage and become more confident and um and self-motivated to do the things that they need to do yeah and i can't help but think that that must be a godsend for parents because there's nothing more stressful than your child being distracted or disruptive and you don't really know like what to do and then like I can't imagine what that also does for the relationship between the parent and the child. Yeah, absolutely. So um it kind of started with my own son being falling into this uh, group of kids. And then as I did more research, I was wondering, oh, is he ADHD and all that? But we brought him for kind of like a, 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 a diagnose, diagnosis um with the public system. But they said, oh he's he's okay, you know, he's not failing too much i'm like 
what do you mean he's not failing too much? He's like screaming at me at home every single day. Like, all right, um, if you say he's not ADHD, then what is he, you know? So that's when I start doing my research and I realized that, yeah, ADHD is a spectrum, right? So um, you can be anywhere on the spectrum and you can be high functioning, you can be very... Um, you're, you're coping well with life and all that but then at the middle somewhere things start falling falling apart and then at the uh, extreme end there is that, that you're dysfunctional like your life <laughs> really you can't function right so but so there's this whole gray middle ground that nobody's talking about and parents need a lot of help and so that's where I decided to hey I think I can come in I can help with my expertise in psychology I was a public school teacher I I did Montessori before this and, and now I realize like everything kind of ties in together for me to help my distracted child and I can, I can definitely um, help and teach other parents do the same. Oh, wow. I mean, I think that's such an entrepreneurial story, right? <laughs> like how we all start. It's like all the things you've done in life, you yes. can go, oh, I was meant to do this because I've exactly. done all of that. Yeah, that's awesome. That's <laughs> awesome. And then, and then, how has that journey been for for you and him? As it as it is it working out? And then, what's it like bringing on other clients now? Um, yeah, I think I think it's it's working out pretty well. Um, I I wasn't expecting to see results so fast, if I to be honest. Um, okay, so um, we started noticing the problem maybe mid of last year. And then three months later, we sent him for diagnosis and things kind of was in the, in the gray. Um, but, but the psychologist told me like, oh, okay, he's not that serious. We put on medication. We're not going to escalate his case, but I'm going to send you a leaflet. Okay, read through it and then treat him as if he has ADHD and do everything you can without the medication. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> so um, basically, I had no support and whatever um, I knew was from books, was from um, research and all that. So, so I mean, we, we tried. We, we just did what we can. We monitored his sleep patterns, his diet, um, and his, and of course, coached him on executive functioning. And I think the more important bit really was changing my mindset as to like, oh, why are you so naughty? Why are you so disruptive? Why are you so lazy? Why, do, why aren't you doing your work, you know, to something that to, he has a problem. It's not that he doesn't want to, he can't control himself. I think that mindset shift helped me become a better parent, a more connected parent, a less judgmental one. And I, I feel that was really the whole turning point and, and the whole key to it. Like once I established a better connection with my son, I tried to be more empathetic. I tried to understand where he was coming from, what he was, um, up, what, what he was struggling with. Then that helped me to come from a problem-solving perspective. And so, so I was able to kind of employ some of these strategies like coaching, executive functioning, um, uh, things like that. Yeah. So, so I think he has it's really worked out pretty well. In fact, like last term, um, his teacher came back with like a little nice note and said, oh, you've done well, you know, you've improved so much. And, and in fact, there was, uh, there was, he had, he had a test that I was supposed to prepare him for, but because, I'm also distracted. I completely forgot about preparing him for the test. I was like, I'm sending my son to a science test with no preparation. And, and oh man, this is, this is really the test, you know, of what of my work for the past nine months. 
And he came back with like 18 out of 20. I was like, wow. <laughs> and I asked him like, what happened? You know, like, um, uh, what happened <laughs> that you could, you could do pretty well? And he said, oh, I, I just listened in class, you know. And I thought, I was like, oh, wow. You know, he was actually paying attention. Of course, it was science. It was something he's interested in. It's not like Chinese, which, which he hates. <laughs> but <laughs> Mandarin, yeah. So, but, but I mean, I think that's a testament of, um, his improving self-control, his, imp- his improving attention span. Yeah, so I'm very, very encouraged. And um, so, so using what I have learned and my small successes, um, I have taught parents the same techniques. And I think so, um, some of them, I've just finished a three-month course with a couple of them um, and they've come back recently and said that, the, yeah, it's been pretty good. They've been employing my strategies. It's been working. So they're very excited about it too. Yeah, it's so rewarding for you too to be able to pass on yes. your wisdom, your experience, and see the results in other people. And I guess that goes back to you know you being the entrepreneur, the problem solver. Um, mm. Yeah, tell us a bit about your journey in that regard, as from a business perspective. Um, has that been you know has did it just come naturally to you? Is it something that you had to work on? Like, you know, have there been some dips dips in the road that kind of maybe threw you off? Right. So um, definitely like, mm, so my, knowing my son is uh, a bit on the ADHD spectrum that led me to think that it was probably me. <laughs> it was from me. <laughs> and, uh, and looking back, I think um, a lot of it explains um, a lot of my own behaviors and and in fact this entrepreneurship is is one of them like um, when, when I think my first job my first unpaid uh, in, informal job was like helping my dad pack belt buckles in plastic wrapping like he, he's an entrepreneur too so I think it kind of runs in the family yeah but I've never realized that because I was always you know brought up to like, oh, study hard, get good grades, you know, get a government job, which is more stable and all that. So I was a teacher before this. And then when my kids came, uh, I, my husband and I decided like, okay, I, one of us should stay home <laughs> and, and really be there for the children. And, and yeah, so, so that's how I ended up being like a stay-home mom. But, um, and, and then I decided to get into this entrepreneur journey because, uh, yeah, I was, being with kids all day at home is not not very mentally stimulating. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I can understand that. <laughs> yeah, so uh, I think the entrepreneurial part really really kind of scratched that itch, you know, like for creativity, for for problem solving, and all that. So I think I think that has been really really fun for me. Um, yeah, so I tried lots of businesses at first, you know, like uh, I tried selling children's clothing, you know, I, I set up a subscription box business and it all kind of didn't like quite fit. And it was only when I got into coaching and, and in fact, just last year when I realized my son had this problem and I could really help with something that was a, a problem for a lot of people that things started to really click for me in terms of myself and my and my business as well so just before this I had a, a membership group you know so I, I, I did a lot of things I mean Vicky you know she's been with me for uh, journeying with me for the past two years so before this um, it was a membership as well but but I was trying to teach parents how to do Montessori and it's a 
great thing for me to do. I could do it. And there were some parents who liked it and wanted to learn, but I felt that that was not compelling enough a problem, right? That oh, and I had to keep selling and keep educating people. Like, why is Montessori so important? Why you need Montessori in your life? But people were just not buying it. They were like, no, I'm good. You know, like I, I, I can send my kids for enrichment classes. I can, I can send my kids to traditional schools. I don't need Montessori. Um, but, but then when, uh, when my distracted child came along and we found out his problem, then and I started sharing it on social media, and that's when I really got a lot of um, a lot of response, a lot of which was lacking before. You know, I would speak to a vacuum and nobody would like DM me, nobody would talk to me, and it was just really sad <laughs> and discouraging. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but but now it's like every time I put out something, you know, um, and I ask a question, people would respond and say, "Oh my gosh, you're you're speaking my language, you are describing oh. my problem." So that has been a really good entry point and an, ex, um, an experience for me that, you know, there really is a difference when I hit a problem and I can solve it. And it's a sweet, it's really a sweet spot, right? Between your gifting, the problem area and what the market wants from you and, and what, what you can fulfill for others. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's it. That's nailed it. Exactly. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and I was just thinking as you were speaking, like, you solved the problem that you needed to help with. Like, so mm -hmm. you needed support. You looked for support, didn't mm -hmm. find the support, figured so much out on your own, pulling on your own extensive, you know, um, knowledge that you already had. And then you just were like, I can do this for others. And that is it. Like, that's all entrepreneurship is, is seeing the problem, figuring out a solution, and then sharing it with others. And it's a gift. And and I love that so much. That's, that's an awesome story. Yeah. Oh, and Abigail, you. you were able to layer the marketing over it. And as you described, you know, finding that sweet spot between your, your client's pain point and mm. the solution. Because before that, you were, you were an advocate. You were, um, you know, the evangelist for Montessori. But if they don't have a problem, then it falls on deaf ears. And so I love yeah, the example absolutely. that you gave because I think a lot of listeners um, to this podcast and members in our Level Up League, you know, they, they feel the same way. They have a fabulous gift they want to share, but they don't understand why people aren't jumping on it because it's a mm -hmm. really good value product or service. So yes. why doesn't everybody want it? And that's the, that's really the the secret to marketing, isn't it? Is finding the positioning and the messaging mm. that connects the person who you know really could do well with it to the quality product or service. So I love the way you described that. Yeah, and I think having done lots of businesses before, right? I was I was talking to everyone, you know, like um, niching down has always been a big problem for me. I think because of my um, ADHD mind, I guess I was jumping from idea to idea. I was trying to talk to everybody. And, and I know the gurus all say, you have to niche down, you have to niche down, right? Then that, that your positioning, then your audience and your mes messaging is very, very clear. But I couldn't do that for the longest time. And maybe some of your audience in the podcast are struggling with this as well. I have a feeling a lot of us do. <laughs> I think it's extremely and, common. <laughs> and I just want to maybe encourage you that um, it's a journey. And I believe everything that happened before and all the experiences, and even, even if you like are pushing back against the idea of niching down or picking something, um, I think 
like don't force yourself. I guess you just go with it and and the lessons or the feedback from your audience will tell you if it is working or not. And if it's not working, that's that's fine. We can always pivot, we can always change our offer, we can always niche further. You know, nothing's ever cast in stone. I think that's that's the encouragement I want to share that that we can always change, we can always evolve as entrepreneurs. And our offers will always change as our as we grow, as we journey. So yeah. yeah. And I think it's that failing forward, right? Like, okay, yes. this isn't working, but you just keep going forward. If it's not working, it's just about that always a forward momentum. And um, and we've all known about pivoting. The last few years, mm. I think all of us have pivoted an awful yes. lot in, in our lives and in our especially in our businesses. And that's mm. it. And that's what I think you have to have that flexibility as an mm. entrepreneur. And you're listening and that's it. Like that's what people just need to remember. Just listen, listen to the market, test it in the market. Yes. You know, they're going to tell you. And when you find that community of people who are like me, yes, me, (laughs) I need to talk to you. (laughs) You know, they're all there ready to listen and, you know, probably going to be clients and members and, you know, all those things in the future as they, as they journey with you and learn from you. That's awesome. Yeah. I think if I can share a process that I, I discovered, I tried it out recently with my, my course was, uh, I think it'll be helpful if I may share that. So before, before this, I was always like, okay, product first, service first, what do I want to teach people, right? Um, and that's totally the wrong way around it. Um, and so what I did the last time was really, but um, it, it's really a symbiotic relationship, right? Like you have to have the offer, kind of the offer and then you talk to people that's your social media and then and then that whatever responses you get that will kind of influence your offer again so it's always changing i guess and you need that you need that response from your market or your or your audience to help you craft that course or that pro- that service that you want to offer to your your people in the end so what i i mean i was fortunate enough after falling for failing, failing for it for many years to have uh, a sizable IG audience. I mean, I'm not starting from scratch. I'm not starting from like zero, right? And then that's hard. That's always the hardest to like get, kind of get traction to get people talking to you. But I have I have a, an audience on IG, and so it's through talking with them that I I was able to craft my my last course. And then I decided to write my sales page first because I would always leave my sales page to the end after I've like done everything. And then I'm like, hmm, okay, let's try to write the sales page. But by writing the sales page first, it gave me a lot more clarity about how to make it a compelling offer, how to present it to my audience. And then when I put it out, and then that's when you get feedback again. Is this something they're interested in? If they're not interested in, okay, let's go back and tweak the offer, tweak the sales page. Yeah, so I think that has been um, quite quite different for me this time around, and and I thought it was successful in the sense that that this is process that I can rely on to keep uh, making my offer better, to keep making my courses better. Yeah, yeah, and so valuable to use that feedback. And um, you know, we have a mm. saying that we love. Uh, it's not our saying, but we do use it a lot. Is uh, you know, test it in the market, not mm. in your mind. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely agree. Yeah. But so, I think Abigail, that, what would you say is um, one of your greatest achievements in business to date? 
Um, I think achieving clarity in what I want to do and how I can help others and getting that feedback. I think that's so important for me to take the next step. And we're not even talking about, I'm not even at the point of scaling yet, but um, but I see, at least I see progress. You know, I'm, I'm no longer stuck at, at the offer creation stage. Yeah. yeah. So... Mm. Do you mind sharing your vision with us? Do you what do you see for your business or for your your audience? You know, say five years from now. Um, I would love to continue building my membership, and um, and of course helping people in that membership and in that individual coaching. So I've realized that. Uh, I'm best at the one-to-one context. So I love talking to my clients one-to-one, really helping them dive into their problems. And then I'm able to give them like a three-step action plan. Um, and and my, my, my clients love it. So I would love to like grow in that area and, and I guess help more moms help their kids um, become more, more confident, you know, and more self, self-reliant. Yeah, I would love to see like more families like being more connected and understanding their children better because it's not just for the distracted child. I think what I have to offer is not just for the distracted child. It's for every child. But I'm choosing to focus my marketing efforts on the distracted child and hopefully that will create enough of a glow effect to draw um, others in who are facing similar problems like behavioral problems from, from their children or motivational problems, but, but they may not be on the ADHD spectrum per se. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this is probably a really good time to share with people how they can get in touch with you if they fall into that market of uh, parents. Yeah. So um, I am on Instagram. So you can find me at freedom underscore Montessori. So that's my handle for now. Um, so uh, you can get in touch with me. And I have a membership that's it's open and closed, but but there's always a wait list that you can get onto or yeah, a couple of I and I have a couple of like um standalone workshops for you to just get started with me to see whether you like my teaching style, whether my my ideas will work for your kids. So I think that's a it's a great place to yeah, get in touch with me on Instagram. It's a great place to start. Fantastic. Thanks. Now we still want to talk to you more about your entrepreneurial <laughs> journey. Um sure. Yeah, I mean, was there ever a time when you felt like this isn't going to work? I'm, I'm jumping off this train, uh, you know, figuratively speaking, getting out of entrepreneurship, <laughs> going back to work, so to speak. Sure. <laughs> um, well, mm, not seriously, I think. And I think that's I'm speaking from a place of privilege because my family is not waiting for me to waiting for my money, waiting for my business to take off. For, for it to survive, right? And, and my husband has been really supportive. And I think I think that's a privilege I want to acknowledge and I don't take for granted. And, and so I have time to kind of figure out what I want to do and make all those mistakes along the way. So I want to say it as it is. Um, and, and my journey may not be your journey and, and you may need the money a bit more urgently and for things to work. But... Um, but I have started so many businesses and I've quit so many businesses. Um, and I think it's really just finding out and knowing yourself what you like to do and what you're good at and what comes easy for you. So, so then it, it isn't a grind every day. Yeah, just to, just to get to work, just to get up and go to and get on this entrepreneurial journey. 
Mm, but yeah, if if I should quit one day, I would definitely yeah I don't know I'll do something else I'll find something, <laughs> <laughs> and it's really seasonal, right? It just goes accordingly to our seasons. What? How much time do we have? Like, are we needed more at home? Are we needed to take care of parents? Are we needed to take care of kids? What What's our availability? How many How many hours can we put in? I mean, yes, entrepreneurial journey is sexy you know we like think of oh i would love to like uh sit at a beach all day and type an email and then like money will come in but it's not really that right i mean that's still oh, the hustle. Only, if only. <laughs> i'm still waiting for that day too i know um there's, there's always that day <laughs> to work towards but there's always that hustle before that day comes so so but i think to be realistic mm. yeah but i think that's also part of being an like loving the entrepreneurial life is kind of loving the building, the growing, the yes. creative. It's it's very much a creative thing because you're creating a business for yourself. You're creating something yes. for clients. You're you know, mm. and like you said, you're you're moving, you're shifting, you're pivoting it as you need to in the market. And so that's all part of it as well. It's I can't imagine ever going back to a desk and just doing what someone tells me to do all day exactly. I, can't, I can't imagine that you know like it's it seems unfathomable to me because it's the creativity of being an entrepreneur is I think what draws me to it um yes. but I definitely hear what you're saying about the being all over the place and trying lots of different things do you think that's part of your like reason for or I guess my question is like do you think other entrepreneurs are like that too. Like, do you think that's an entrepreneurial trait to be a little ADHD in the mindset? <laughs> <laughs> I, I think so. I mean, there's, the research has definitely shown that a lot of us, a big proportion of us who, I mean, yeah, have ADHD are in business or in business have ADHD. But I think it's really where we shine because we are so creative and, and we are like on the move all the time, right? And we're trying to problem solve and and. It's just a really exciting thing. I, yes, I agree with you. I can't imagine going back to, to yeah, taking orders from people. <laughs> but, but I think that's, the, that's the, um, the dark side as well. And I've realized this for myself over the last year on my own journey is that, is that why do I start and quit so many businesses? Why do I start so many hobbies and I drop them the moment I buy all the supplies? <laughs> oh, no. Why do I like sink my money into all these, in all these courses? Um, it's because I, I'm, I'm going for that dopamine, you know, I'm going for that dopamine kick, ah. that, that um, feeling of, of exhilaration, you know, whatever it is, the, the excitement of starting something. But the middle, the grind is hard for me. And, and so just knowing this uh, helps me to kind of manage it a bit. Like when I'm in a low and then in a down, then I realize like, oh, why am I, why am I feeling like this? Why am I tempted to do, to do something else? Why am I tempted to like change direction again? You know, and, and just knowing it helps me to, okay, okay, let's, let's just sit, sit on this for a while and see if that feeling passes. And that has been really helpful in helping me keep track or keep keep on keep on going even though even though the, the middle part is tough when I don't see the light yeah. yeah and and also putting on the blinders like oh social media is exciting or this is exciting the other project is exciting but no I need to focus on finishing my sales page that is what I have to do right now that's my next right step so I need to put my blinders on I need to focus on them yeah yeah so you're taking your own medicine you're taking your own advice <laughs> that you use for parents and for children yeah, I think that awareness, 
awareness and self understanding it's it's has been has been cha- life changing for me yeah and you have a psychology background so you must have some mm. great tips to share with us on actually how to do that <laughs> how to do that um as in as in be in the grind as in being <laughs> aware on how to how to be self aware all right um i think journaling or at least reflecting um be it, be it on a like pen and paper kind of like journal or or digital just note taking kind of app is is great because it's just it just helps you to put your thoughts out on paper and take the emotion out of it I think being seeing the words on paper also kind of help you helps you frame the problem, helps you contain the problem, and so it becomes a bit more manageable. I feel, yeah. So that that is what I do. I would agree. Um, I find that journaling yeah. um, it takes the heat out of it, but it also feels yes. like hey, I've been heard. I've been able to mm. say it. It wasn't a complaint. I just put it on paper like it was a mm. fact. Okay, so now it's not in me anymore. And by the way, I've been heard. I'm good now. I can move on with yeah. it. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah, so it's as a process of like self-healing <laughs> definitely. And um I think another tip maybe would be like attacking your thoughts or debating, rather debating your thoughts like, "Oh, my launch is a failure," you know, like oh, the numbers are so bad. Um and then if you if you are struggling with those thoughts, then I think one thing you can do is to like kind of question be the debater and question your your thoughts like why is it bad why do you think it's bad what what were the numbers you were looking for what were the numbers you got you know like so we kind of like try to again take the emotion out of it so that we don't spiral down into like depression and and self-loathing and and all that but really um look at look at the numbers look at the stats look look at our expectations and again see it as a problem and with with see it as a problem with a problem and not see it a problem with ourselves yeah mm. i think that's that's important to have mm. that separation yeah uh, one of the pivotal things for me in kind of self development i guess was realizing that our thoughts aren't true our thoughts mm. are often not true and when i yeah. looked at that i was astounded <laughs> my whole adult life thinking well if I think it it must be true that that's my thought it must be true Mm. but actually that's that's our ego you know talking to us a nasty little monkey on the or devil on the shoulder and it actually isn't true it's just the story we're telling ourselves about whatever's happened absolutely yeah that's right and well um, what we always come back to the stats, right? Like, what do the stats say? <laughs> what what are our results? And then, and then I think that helps to again take the emotion out and just see it like it's not a problem with me. It's not that I have failed, but it's just um, maybe the offer wasn't right. Maybe the audience wasn't right. Maybe I'm not communicating in a way that that speaks to the audience. So, so I think just being in that mindset, I think of failing forward, like you said, Laura. I, I love that phrase failing forward is helpful such that we are always moving forward we're always moving and we're not staying stuck at a place and feeling just self-pity yeah yeah mm-hmm. and I heard recently like get to the failures faster because then you know what doesn't work and then you can like check mm-hmm. that off okay that doesn't work great now I keep going okay that doesn't work okay great and then you can get to what does work so much faster 
but it's that progression forward that's the key. And I yeah. like what you were just saying about really being objective about things and taking the emotion away because then you can make a move. Okay, that didn't work. This was the problem. Oh yeah, look, I, I missed this whole step or I, I forgot to do big social media push. Well, what if I did a social media push next time then maybe more people would know about it and more people would might sign up. You know, when you just take out the like, I failed, you know, mindset, the I can't do this, I need to quit. It's not working, I'm, not, I'm no good. You know, the things that, you know, happen in our brain that isn't true, like Vicky said, <laughs> but we tell ourselves then yeah, that's that's kind of the key. And that's really being resilient, isn't it? Like being yeah. able to separate yourself from the emotion, look at it objective. Okay, what can we do better next time? And then mm. keep moving forward. Yeah, yeah, yeah I like yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. So Abigail, what would you say resilience means to you? I think it means persistence <laughs> and how, and, and always, trying to see how can I make this work. Um, I think one of the biggest problems and pitfalls for us, for me, like being so distracted all the time is consistency. I hate this word. <laughs> and I feel so called out on it every time, like, oh, you're not posting consistently on social media. You are not doing this consistently. You're not going to get consistently. And I'll be like, no, but I can't. I start, I want to, but then I just fall off the bandwagon after a while. But recently I read that persistence more than consistency. Yeah, so I think the idea is that, yeah, we will fail to be consistent, but, but we can always come back to it and be persistent about it. We don't have to like beat ourselves up. Oh, you're not consistent. And therefore we stop doing, when we stop so posting on social media, we can always come back and restart the ball rolling again. Yeah, Exactly. Because it doesn't have to just stop, you know, and then never yeah. get back to it again. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, that's the key. It's just keep keep pushing forward. And I keep, I keep saying that. <laughs> I feel like I'm being repetitive. I'm being consistent in what I'm saying today. <laughs> but it's funny, we both, Vicky and I both kind of laugh when you said hate consistency, because the funny thing is, that's what we tell everybody they have to do. <laughs> it's about being consistent. And it does help you get results faster. It's true. But that doesn't Definitely. mean you have to do you know what I mean? It's it, don't beat yourself up when you're not yeah. right. Just just yeah. keep going. Just keep doing mm -hmm. what you're doing. <laughs> but that's so funny. Always tell people be consistent. That's the key. <laughs> it is. It is. But and I want to unlock the key. <laughs> I want to use the key, but the key's just falling off my hands all the time. <laughs> but yeah, it just goes back to the entrepreneurial struggle, like you were saying about wanting to be creative and wanting to do the new thing and the next shiny object is right there and you want to go get it and, oh, let's build this. Vicky and I are real good at this. Let's build that. Oh, now we can do this. Oh, this is needed. Let's go do that thing too. And we heard a really good thing the other day and it was, Vicky, yeah. correct me from... Yeah, you got it? Yeah, you say it, you say it. You probably better know it better than me. No. <laughs> The saying is innovation is expensive, profit oh. is boring. <laughs> I love that. We fall into that trap quite a lot. <laughs> we get very excited about the innovation and of course it's expensive because you're putting all your time and resources and sometimes money into it and uh, then, you know, start selling it and it's ticking you along nicely and drawing a profit. Oh, that's really boring. We've got to start the next. Yes. You know, we create the assets, like, the marketing assets, the products and services, the, the marketing funnel, however we're reaching our audience. We've got to sweat those assets. 
And that's the hardest part for us multi-passionates. But but I also want to flip it and say, like, how about if we treat profit or treat every customer with with uh, that comes in with like a dopamine hit? You know, isn't that it? Isn't that exciting as well, right? Yeah. yeah. And and I think it's really just about how we can make things that are important in our business be motive be the motivator. Yeah. And that's what I'm trying to do for myself. It's like, hey, what if I have a customer come in through my doors in my membership? Isn't that more exciting than trying to do the new course and going through the whole grind again? I'm like, yeah, I could get on board with that. Yeah. And that's just a mindset shift. That's all that is. It's just shifting yes. your own mindset. Yeah, yeah, I like that. You mentioned that the other day, Laurie. You said, well, we're going to shift our innovation to our clients' innovation because we do that anyway. Mm-hmm. But I think we don't recognize that win when we do it for our clients. Mm-hmm. We recognize a win if we did it for ourselves. But doing it for our clients is just second nature. That's what we do. We create, we innovate, we get them the wins that they're looking for. So yeah. now we're going to focus our attention, just our own mindset and say, that's the exciting part is getting their wins. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Fantastic, exciting. ladies. Such wisdom abounds. <laughs> so you're pretty young, <laughs> Abigail, but if you had to get into a time capsule, is there anything you'd tell your younger self? Bit of mm-hmm. advice? That everything... I've gone through is preparing me something down the road and nothing's ever wasted. Yeah. The, the learning is mine. The failures are mine. The victories are mine. um, And they will, they are preparing me for something else. And that I think God is in control and he wants to give us the right kind of success and the success that we can handle at every stage of our life. And maybe right now I'm not getting like hundreds of members or hundreds of students and maybe because I can't handle them. You know, I can't do one-to-one coaching with 100 people, right? but I can do one-to-one coaching with 20 people. But maybe down the road, I'll get better at this and then I can handle the volume. I can employ people. I can, yeah, it's just another journey for me. And that's just good stuff is waiting for me down the road. Oh, yeah, I do. I'm excited. I can't wait to chat to you again when you've got 400,000 people on your Instagram. Oh. Okay. I'm looking forward to that. (laughs) Well, this has been absolutely amazing conversation and we could probably talk for another hour or two. But and so let's plan another one. Let's plan another chat again, again soon, Abigail. Thank you so much for joining us on our podcast. Um, it was really great to get to know you and hear all your amazing um plans and I think you have a lot of people to serve and I hope yeah. lots of people find you that need you. You've got an amazing niche. I think the message tonight was don't be afraid to niche because when you find the right one, it all the passion, all of it pays off. All the hard work pays off and I see lots of success coming for you. So yeah, thank you so much. I really appreciate you joining us. Thank you for inviting me on your podcast. So thanks for joining us on Resilient Entrepreneurs. We're Laura and Vicky from Two for One. We love supporting entrepreneurs, especially with mindset, marketing, and motivation, which is why we've built an incredible community of business founders who meet weekly in the Level Up League. If you'd like to know more about it, look us up at 241branding.com.